Stepping up our game, rising from the undergrounds Playing on one zone to the overgrown crowd Making it for the girl that never turn his sound down We blast our tune so loud, come around in the bus Drink what you want, to make me love, give me that drop Play the road, baby, make your hands clap Show me some love, tonight, tonight, show me some love Drink what you want, give me love, give me that drop Stepping up our game, rising Welcome to another episode of ATV Draft Talk. Joined as always by my co-host, Tom Barnett. Two huge trades go down. We had a, a certain, you know, we we're talking about some pro days, but that all changed with these two massive trades that went down. And, you know, a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about these two trades uh, that happened earlier, um, well, later this week, a couple days ago. And we're also going to do a... Um, mock draft so it's going to be a little bit of fun here tonight but um uh, pretty pretty crazy right tom yeah i honestly was not expecting that at all <laughs> i had um, all my notes ready for pro day <laughs> jason's all jason's mad so um he will get into you know get into that in the details and you know to break it all off you know, the first trade went that went down was miami and san fran this was super shocking because San Fran goes up to number three. So they get the third pick. For the, for, for me, it's that's for the quarterback. It's for a quarterback, whether that be yep. Trey Lance, whether that be – I don't think Zach Wilson gets them, but whether it's Trey Lance, whether it's Mac Jones, or if is, it, is it Justin Fields. So that's interesting. And then with Miami dropping down to – at this point, dropping down to 12 and getting a 2021 third plus getting two more first-round picks. That's just they, – they got a haul, and they've been doing that. Ever since they traded Laramie Tunsil, they've been getting – their, their draft stock is absolutely – you know, their cupboard's full, basically, of yeah. all assets from the last couple of years. I think the interesting thing here, though, is where does San Francisco go at quarterback? I, I think at number two, Jets are going with Zach Wilson. I don't think that he's, he's going to be there for San Fran. They, they have to know that. With Sala as a head coach for the Jets, I think that they spoke to him first, kind of felt him out to see where he's going. Where, where do you see San Fran going with a third pick quarterback-wise? So when I first saw it, basically when I first saw it go down, yeah, Trey Lance popped right into my head. It was Trey Lance. Just, just because they did also say that they're not looking to trade uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. So if that's the case, 
Trey Lance, it, he gets to sit a year, learn an offense, sit behind Garoppolo. Now, Garoppolo's had an injury history. Garoppolo gets hurt, then Lance is in there. But I know there's a little bit of doubt creeped in the last, you know, maybe, you know, last 24 hours, thinking about possibly Mac Jones. But I, I think, I think they go. I think Lance may be the guy for them, and that's what they that they needed to get up there. They, he was not going to slip to 12. There was no way. And I think the team that they wanted to get ahead of was Carolina because I think Carolina had a lot of interest in Lance as well. Yeah, I think Carolina would have been a great fit for Lance. I kind of see them going the same way. I was kind of on the same thoughts train as you, where right away Lance jumped out for me as a great fit for a Shanahan offense. The amount of play action he can run. Like Lance is just a great fit working the short passing game. Then like a lot of a lot of people are talking about Mac Jones as a potential fit, kind of seeing him as kind of like the Matt Ryan for, for Shanahan. Uh, I kind of saw Olavsky kind of saying that Shanahan likes two things that he values most in a quarterback, the natural throwing motion and his upper body torque and the ability to generate zip. And he was saying that Wilson and Jones kind of fit that bill the most out of this draft class. I don't know if I really agree with that or if, or if I'd really give up three first round picks to move up for Mac Jones. Cause I don't really know yeah. what he offers com- in comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo. That makes you want to give up three first round picks. So I'm, I'm more between Lance and fields to be honest. Yeah, so you know that goes down, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if it was like 15 minutes later, maybe 20 minutes later, um, then there's news that the Eagles make a trade. So, and of course, the Eagles make a trade with Miami. Then, so you know you have the Eagles then going ahead, and they are trading their number six pick to Miami. So Miami moves back, uh, back up to six. They move back up in the draft to six, and they get the Eagles 2021 fifth round pick. The Eagles, the Eagles get number 12, so the Eagles move back to 12. They get a 2021 fourth-round pick, which the Eagles don't have any fourth-round picks, so that they move up with that, and they get a first-rounder from Miami next year. Um, I think this is perfect. I, I absolutely love this trade. Um, I've thought about the Eagles trading back and in the draft, and I thought possibly San Fran would be a logical you know, a fit or Carolina or Denver. Those were the kind of the three spots that I thought about, but a lot of people are upset with this trade. And I know, um, you know, Jason said here, he goes, I'm so mad about this trade for me. I, I don't think you can be ang- like super angry about it because what have Eagles fans been clamoring about? You want to trade back to get more assets or you want to get you wanted to get younger you want to fill this team with youthful talent you know you want to do that but then if they trade back then you're i'm gonna say you're gonna piss and moan about trading back the thing is you can't have it both ways and i saw some people complaining about oh well dallas and the giants are picking ahead of you now and everything you need to stop worrying about other teams and worry about your team. If the if the Eagles are worrying about Dallas and they're worrying about the Giants, then they're already off on the bat foot because they're not worrying about themselves. They need to worry about themselves. Make the picks. You're getting a plethora of picks, plus possibly three first round picks next year, all depending on you know the Carson Wentz. To me, it's a no brainer. You stack the roster with young, youthful talent, and for the people thinking that there's generational talent um, in the top end of the draft, you're not going to get anybody. Um, 
you know, worth selecting. Um, the Eagles drafted a defensive tackle with the 12th pick um, back in 2012. His name was uh, Fletcher Cox. So I don't think when you're drafting at number 12, also Houston did draft a guy named Deshaun Watson at number 12 as well. So just because you're drafting 12 doesn't mean you're not going to select a very talented player. So I love the trade. I know you talked a little bit about liking the trade as well. Yeah, I'm a fan of the trade for the simple fact that you're getting a first-round pick next year. The potential to have three first-rounders next year, it's just incredible, to be honest. I mean, how often does that really happen? Plus, it also sets you up for the fact if Hertz does bomb this year, you're in perfect position to try to trade up to get your next guy of the future if if you're, if you're he's not a fit for Sirianni's offense. Yeah, and the thing, the thing about it that, you know, I really like is – at number 12, there's so many options you can go because when you're sitting at six, and we'll get into it when we get in the draft, the player you have selected for the Eagles, I don't think you would want to pick him at number six. You know, there's more options when you get to 12. And there's and there's options for the Eagles. If there's a player they like at number eight or number nine, they could they could trade up and, and get that player too. So there's options for them, or they stay back at 12. But they have the most draft picks. In the league right now, they're tied the most. They have 11. So, uh, to me, it's it, it, it's great situation because next year they're going to have three, possibly three first-round picks. If not, they'll have two firsts and two seconds, all depending, of course. But they're also going to have a, a good amount of cap space. So, they, it, they it, need – they need those extra picks because they're going to have those older players on their way out. Then this is a time where you bring in the youth movement. And George makes a great point here. Defense is no longer a reach at number 12, which is very, very interesting. Um, so we're going to get into the, the mock draft. Uh, Tommy did a mock draft. So we're going to get into that. We're going to go pick by pick um, just because with this, with this, these two huge trades, I, th- I felt there was a, a mock draft needed because there's so much shakeup now in the draft. And I know you agreed with me, Tommy, on that. Yeah. Plus, we have a lot of changes post-free agency. Exactly. So there's still moves being made in free agency. There's still teams, you know, adding players uh, to the roster. So, um, and the other thing is I want to throw out there, I mentioned it on um, on Twitter yesterday, twice. First, before the trade, and, you know, second after the trade. Everyone complains the Eagles don't have any money to sign their you know, their draft class, which is not true. So the Eagles have 11 picks. Yes, we, we know that. They need $4.3 million in cap space to sign all their, basically their rookie class, their rookie pool. And last year they signed it after July. I think it was like late July, uh, July 26th. So Alshon and Malik Jackson's $4 million come onto the book basically or come off the books they get that in space so basically they need three hundred thousand dollars to be able to sign their whole class for next year and that's if they make all 11 picks so um there's a little food for thought uh but let's get into this mock draft and some surprises and some fun so all right uh number number one uh no surprise at all here uh we've been talking about this everyone's talking about this not really much more to even really say about it. Trevor Lawrence is going number one unless something seriously bad happens to him between now and the draft. Yeah, it's a no-brainer. Trevor Lawrence has been the guy. He's going to be the guy. He's that number one pick for Jacksonville, too. So that's kind of an easy one. 
Yeah. N- number two, I think, is almost set in stone with with the timing of, of that trade. Uh, the fact that it happened at BYU's, during BYU's pro day, I feel like that was, the Jets basically came in and said, okay, we just want to talk to Zach Wilson a little bit, get a feel for him in person before we know for sure he's our guy. They did that. They they told San Fran. San Fran made their trade. So I'm feeling Zach Wilson at number two. Yeah, and and for me, like his pro day really showed, you know, a lot of his skill set, what he can do, and I feel like that's definitely, you know, the Jets, the Jets want to basically this coaching staff and everything they want their guy. So, you know, Sam Darnold maybe on the way out, and I did see there was a report also that they're not um, inclined. They don't. They don't need to have a first-round pick to trade him. So I could definitely see them trading uh, Sam Darnold for possibly a second or third-round pick uh, just to, you know, it's not going to work if you have Darnold and Wilson both on the roster. I just don't find that find that feasible. So, uh, But definitely Wilson, I see almost a lock here. I just my opinion there. Yeah. No, number three, we touched on a little bit earlier when we were talking about the San Francisco trade. I'm, I'm sticking with Trey Lance there. At number three, just as I was saying earlier, I like the way that he fits Shanahan's offense. I, I think that he he offers such a different skill set than Jimmy Garoppolo with his ability to move outside the pocket. I do I do th- I do think Fields though is also another good option. I think he's a little bit more of a down the field vertical passer than Trey Lance, where I think Lance is a little bit better of a fit. Yeah, and like I mentioned, I think Lance is the guy they want because they can groom him, grow him. And yeah. with Garoppolo still there and, you know, especially for this year, you have the veteran in Garoppolo there. You have Lance sitting behind um, kind of like some, you know, there's teams that have done that in the past. And, you know, recent example, you've had uh, Kansas city do that when they drafted Mahomes, you know, they had Alex Smith there and Mahomes sat there for a year and then he came in. And of course we know the story from there, but uh, moving on to number four, I'm going to say that I, I handled this mock draft without doing any trades. So I do think that there is a decent chance that Atlanta tries to trade down here. Just to a team that's a little bit more quarterback desperate. I don't like They won't trade with Carolina, won't trade within the division. But there's always a chance that, say, Denver, Denver wants to move up for a quarterback, maybe New England. But I, I think that if Atlanta stays pat here, they honestly could go with a quarterback themselves, uh, Justin Fields, just because one, even though I do think that there's a chance they trade down, they're going in with a new coaching staff. The new coaching staff always wants to bring in their own guy. Matt Ryan is getting up there in age. And although he does have a big contract that is a little bit hard to move on, it's not as bad as you would think because granted they do have 40 million in dead cap if they cut him after next season. But if they designate it as a post-June post first release, it's 25 mil in dead cap for 2022, 15.6 in 2023. So all in all, it'll save them about 23 million in 2022. So, I mean, if there's not many times that you get a chance to pick in the top five. So if Justin Fields was, say, your QB number two, might as well take them right now because you might not get a chance next year. Exactly. So... For me, I'd have it a little bit different. I'm not going to say who I who I'd pick right now um, because we may do my mock draft next week or in week five. So, Fields, I've had Fields there before. I've thought about it. Uh, I've kind of wavered, especially after this trade. I wavered a little bit, but but Matt Ryan is getting up there in age. I know his contract. I know I know all that. Um, they still have Julio, Calvin Ridley. 
Uh, they have some weapons still on that offense. So, but if you draft Justin Fields, you you maybe keep Matt Ryan for a year, let Fields learn. You know, kind of the same situation as the Niners. Yep. I know it may not make so much sense, but again, a lot of quarterbacks are going to go in the first round this year, four, probably five. But I could see Justin Fields um, going to Atlanta. But the thing is, what you said, this is a More. prime prime trade spot uh and atlanta kind of holds the cards here yeah i think it's more likely that they trade down i just didn't want to throw any more trades in there we already had two big ones i mean why go for three yeah and uh jason's gonna be getting ready for his lions pick so you know he's he's ready for that yeah uh moving over to number five cincinnati Bengals. we we've i've had this pick for a while now uh penny sewell out of Oregon, I, I just think that he's the best offensive tackle available and that you always have to protect your quarterback, Joe Burrow, especially with what happened to him last season. He was getting sacked maybe, what, seven or eight times a game. He was on pace basically to break Derek Carr's record back when he was a rookie, and we know how that worked out for his development. So I think it's a little bit more important to add the offensive tackle as opposed to wide receiver, Jamar Chase, even though Burrow's pushing for Chase. He's lobbying uh, for him. Yeah. I saw that. But no, like I think Sewell's a great pick here because we we've talked about the offensive line uh, aspect for the Cincinnati Bengals. You need them to sure up that offensive line for their franchise quarterback that they drafted first last year. So Sewell gives you that, you know, left tackle, franchise left tackle. And we've talked about Jonah Williams. I know I've mentioned it multiple times. Jonah Williams being able to move up, move over to a more comfortable uh, right tackle or even slot over into guard position yeah. but for them they need to sure up that offensive line because they made some big just uh, big additions in free agency so they're not they're not um basically staying still they want to improve that team to be able to contend and you know in the, in that division you'd never know and especially with the extra playoff team you just don't know if if Burrow comes back healthy. You have a solid offensive line. They have weapons, so yeah. I think Sewell's a great pick because he gives you that franchise left tackle. Yeah, no, number six. I had a little bit of difficulty here. You kind of Miami played this pretty well moving down, moving back up to six. They could really go Kyle Pitts here, or they could go with Jamar Chase. I ended up giving them uh, Jamar Chase. I felt he's like a little bit better of a fit for that offense. They did grab Will Fuller in free agency, but I don't think you could really rely on him to stay healthy for a full 16 games. Uh, you kind of give him – they need a reliable option on the other side of Devontae Parker, and I feel like Jamar Chase gives them that. People forget how dominant he was with Burrow in that offense in 2019 that I think he he's a pick here over Kyle Pitts. Yeah, and, you know, Jamar Chase – I. I know they, like you said, I know they signed Will Fuller. Will Fuller actually has to sit out the first game of the year because that's his last um, suspension game. Um, so he won't be available in in week one. The the thing for like, Jamar Chase, you have Devontae Parker, Jamar Chase, and then, yeah, Will Fuller's there for um, as well. But it gives Tua, who he's their quarterback, um, it gives him some weapons, and it gives him the um, – the weapons he needs to succeed. Uh, I, I'm not fully bought in on on Tua. I don't think he's franchise guy right now. He may excel his game. So 
Um, but he could, he, he could be that, but right yeah. now I just don't see it. Um, I, I don't know if it's the injury history. I don't know if it's just – there's just a lot of doubt right now. But, again, he could prove me wrong like Josh Allen proved a lot of people wrong last year. So Jamar Chase would be a good starting point on getting the weapons needed to you know build around your franchise quarterback. But now we, we get to number seven. I know uh, Jason is, is uh, you know, waiting, sitting there with his uh, – you know, waiting for this pick. Who do you have the Lions selecting? So I, I went with the same pick that I went with uh, last time we did a mock draft. I'm still going with Michael Parsons here, uh, working on rebuilding that defense a little bit. Uh, they already have a good pass rusher in Romeo Quara, uh, first rounder last year on at corner in uh, Okuda. And Parsons can do a little bit of everything for you on defense. Uh, like LeVar Arrington was saying when we had him on our show a few weeks back, he can blitz, he can cover, he's good against a run. Uh, very very underrated blitzer. I think that he'd be a big addition for their defense. I do think that there's a chance that I could go with a wide receiver or even or even Pitts. Uh, but I, I think that they build on the defensive side of the ball first before they get, get into wide receivers. I think they can go wide receiver a little later in the draft with the depth that there is this year. Exactly. You get a playmaking linebacker that can do so many different things. And, you know, you're building that defense, which they need to as – we saw it last year. Their defense was not very good, especially when they kept, you know, bringing in. They had, I think they had maybe six. I, and I, I joke with Jason. Um, I think six or seven different uh, old Patriots on the roster. So they kind of went a different route on there, and they need to start building this defense and to be able to put it together. You're not going to find, you know, a player of Parsons' caliber in the later rounds. So you get him now, you can find reliable players, receivers and everything in the second, third round, especially in this draft. But um, I think Parsons is a great pick here. Yeah. Uh, going to number eight, uh, I felt a little bit bad for Carolina because I missed out on their quarterbacks. Uh, so I, I ended up giving them Kyle Pitts uh, a little bit lower than most are expecting Pitts to go. I feel, I do feel that there is a chance to go that they go with Mac Jones. I mean, they, they did, they did get to scout him in the senior bowl a little bit and coach him up with Matt Rule. I'm just not 100% sold on him. I don't think that he offers up much more than Teddy Bridgewater is going to give you. I would go Kyle Pitts. They already added Dan Arnold from uh, Arizona in free agency. I can go them see them going with a, a bit more um, two tight end sets, uh, especially with Christian McCaffrey coming back. You'll have an extra blocker in there. And they did lose uh, Samuel in free agency to the Skins. So I think Pitts would be a good fit for them. So this is a perfect scenario. If Pitts is available at number eight. I knew it was turning you, in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you can see the smoke going. Yeah. Um, see, this is where you can think about the Eagles possibly calling Carolina to move back up into the top 10, you know, jump ahead of the Giants and Cowboys and all that and, and be able to uh, select Pitts at that spot. And of course, we didn't do trades on here, but you're able to go there because you also have a tight end that Carolina needs. You know, you have a guy like Zach Ertz, you can try and package in a deal as well and maybe give up another pick uh, to be able to move up into that number eight spots. But that's something that, you know, it is a possibility that, you know, that could happen, but um, that's just something that I, as you said, you could see it turning yep. uh, when that, that pick yeah. came down. That's what I thought about. 
If, yeah, if they're not sold on uh, Mac Jones, I could definitely see that as a possibility. So, J- uh, Jason asks, what would you give up? You know, what would you have to give up? So, at 8 and 12, you'd probably have to give up. And if you're giving up Ertz, too, we'll throw that in there. Um, you know, if you're moving up from 12 to 8, you may have to give up uh, – possibly your third round pick number 84 they have. So you give up 12 84 to get up to number eight. That may do it. Uh, if you have to throw in Ertz, you may have to do that. Maybe get like a fifth or sixth round from Carolina as well. There's possibility there, but if you don't think of any players, it may just be 12 and 84 for eight. That could be definitely a possibility, um, but it's not out of the, you know, it could happen. Absolutely. It could happen. Um, yeah. But that's kind of what we, what you would need to do. Um, do to give up and to get up to number eight, but going to number nine, Denver. Now Denver signed um, two corners, Darby and Fuller, who uh, was released by the Bears. So I don't think corners are a real big need for them right now because yeah. of adding those two, uh, basically a, a number one, number two. Plus they re-signed Kareem Jackson, who's a safety. So their secondary. Plus they re-signed Justin Simmons. So their secondary basically is kind of intact. So I don't think that's a, a a major need in the first round for them. So where do you think they should go? Yeah, corner is initially where we had them uh, the last few times we've done mock drafts. I thought Sertan, Farley, Horn, all they all could fill in there in Denver. But with, with the amount they've already invested in the secondary, I thought Denver's pick was honestly a little bit on the harder side. They don't really have that one glaring hole or need where that's – uh, like that's the main projection. I, I ended up going pretty different here from the consensus. I went with a linebacker, uh, Jeremiah Usukoromoa out of Notre Dame. Uh, I see him going mostly right around the 1520s. I don't really see him as a reach here, though, at number nine because of the amount that he can bring to that defense. I They, they kind of probably hope that Parsons falls here, but I don't really think that he's going to get past the Lions. But... He's so versatile and good in coverage. I don't really see them taking Mac Jones and giving up on Drew Locke, especially on a first-round pick, unless it's one of the top four guys and they're they're able to trade up there with Atlanta. But there, there's so much to like about JOK. I mean, and you can just give Drew Locke one more year to see if he can learn Pat Shermer's offense a little bit better because he had a short offseason last year. Last year. Yeah, uh, then then he had uh, he missed some time with COVID. I I feel like give Locke one more year, see what he has, get a playmaker on defense, and work from there. And I think I think JOK really helps Denver because he's a jack of all trades type of player, and I feel Vic Vic Fangio can really use him in a multitude of of ways um, because they still have uh, Von Miller still there, Bradley Chubb still there. Um, you know they have some you know, some talent on that, but he can do, he can rush the passer for them. He can play off. He can cover tight ends. He could do uh, a bunch of things for Denver. And this is almost a, you know, a wild card pick for them that basically it's the Isaiah Simmons pick from last year that Arizona had. But I feel that Denver is going to use JOK uh, a lot better than Arizona used Simmons in his first year. And, but also, this is also another prime position where Denver could decide to trade down. So that's another thing to keep an eye on and keep a watch out for as well. But uh, I still think they get value here. I know a lot of people think maybe a little early to pick JOK, but um, 
I still think he, he'd do wonders in that in uh, a Vic Fangio defense. But now we get to the hated Dallas Cowboys, and where does Dallas go with this selection? I think Tommy muted him. There we go. There we go. My bad. Uh, so we've been talking about Pat Sertan a little bit. Uh, even I was talking about him when they were in the top five. But I think Pat Sertan's a good fit for that that defense. Uh, when Dak was healthy last season, they, they had no problems on offense. So, I mean, I wouldn't go with uh, Devonta Smith here or anyone like that. I'd work on the defensive side of the ball first. Uh, Pat Sertan with the second-round pick last year from Alabama, Trayvon Diggs in that secondary. That defense was costing them games last year. You need to work on improving that before you focus on the offense any bit anymore. Yeah, and you know, Sertan will, you know, he'll pair up with with uh, Diggs there in Dallas. You know, Dallas lost Awuzier, uh, so they need to get another corner, a starting corner, and you know, to pair it off with with Diggs, they get his former college teammate in Sertan. Um, it's a value pick. It's something they need. I think it's a good selection. I think Sertan's going to be a good pro. Um, but next we go to your New York Giants. So I know uh, almost the, the thing is it's the board's wide open, but they don't need there, a receiver this time. No. I mean, some people still have the Giants taking a receiver like Waddle because he brings that different different element to the offense. I, I didn't really see it that way. I went offensive tackle, uh, Rashawn Slater. Uh, there's a lot to like about Rashawn Slater. He has he has experience as an offensive tackle and an offensive guard. The Giants were big spenders in free agency. They went after Kenny Galladay, wide receiver. They brought in tight end Kyle Rudolph. They brought in a corner, Adderley Jackson. So, I mean, I don't really see him going corner either with bringing in Jackson, but they, they added these weapons on offense. But you can add all the weapons you want. If you don't have an offensive line, they're not going to do anything. The Giants have an extremely young offensive line. Andrew Thomas, uh, Shane Lemieux. Uh, they also have Nick Gates, who is new to center. Will Hernandez is on an expiring contract. I I would like bringing in Rajon Slater. Uh, you can move him to guard or tackle. Uh, right now, they're Slater's start Matt Part, who was a third rounder last year, and they have Nate Soldier there, who has never played right tackle before. So I feel like Slater would be a great pick here. Yeah, so that's that's a great pick, and you you said it best when you said that doesn't matter you know who you have you know the offensive line's young. If the offensive line struggles, you know the, the quarterback's going to struggle, and you know if you can't block the defensive line, it doesn't matter who you have at, at receiver. It's just not gonna it's not gonna help you. So I think Slater's a good pick because they can slot him in a number of places, and it really really helps the development. Um, of that offensive line with all these young guys and be able to plug in another uh, potential starter in Slater. Um, that's another, um, another good selection. And, you know, people are thinking that Smith is going to be going to the Eagles. So there's, um, you know, someone thinking Waddle or Farley or possibly somebody else. Who do you have the Eagle selection at 12? Eh, some some Eagle fans might hate me, but I'm a Giants fan. You probably hate me anyway. <laughs> I'm going uh, J.C. Horn uh, corner out of South Carolina. Uh, I think that there's a great chance that he ends up being the best corner in this draft. Um, he's a very physical corner. I feel like he's going to fit really well in the defensive scheme Philly's going to try to implement. 
you guys missed out on Adderley Jackson to the Giants. And the secondary is looking kind of weak, to be honest. I think playing in the NFC East, though, you guys really do have to work on shoring up the secondary because look at the Giants just added Kenny Galladay. Dallas has three great wide receivers, and Washington just added Curtis Samuel, and they already have Terry McLaurin. So, I mean, that's six games right there going against pretty good wide receiver cores. I feel like adding J.C. Horn would be a great idea here. Where, yeah, I could see wanting Devonta Smith here because he did. He is kind of sliding a little bit to 12, but there's really a lot of value in the second round in wide receivers. Yeah, so I love this pick. Jason Thank you, won. Jason. <laughs> yeah, Jason said, no, no one hates you, Tom. We love you. So, um, possibly, unless Peanut's watching. We know he may comment on it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> So, J.C. Horn, I love this selection. You know, he measured six foot. He ran, a, I think it was like a 4-3, like a mid-4-3s, uh, 40. And 33-inch arms, super physical. He's not afraid to come up and hit you. He's not going to just throw his body at you and not actually, you know, tackle you. I, I absolutely love this, this selection because, like you said, you need the secondary you need the corners. You have Slay there. You sign Anthony Harris. You need another outside corner. They may go ahead and pick up a veteran as well, but J.C. Horn is a player that you can you can build for because, again, if Hurts winds up playing well and next year you have a potential three first-round picks, you can get another corner who's coming out, and there's another guy. I saw someone put it on uh, Twitter. I think it was actually um, – our buddy Chris, who came on our show a couple times, he said J.C. Horney said Derek Stingley. That would be an yes. absolute great combo. But J- Stingley's I, top five. Exactly. But you can always move up. But, again, talking about J.C. Horn here, to me, he's my cornerback number one. He's my number one guy. And it just shows you – you, and it's not just a pro day. You put on his film. You look and see what he's done against top competition. He plays in the SEC. He plays the LSUs. He plays the Alabamas. He plays these top teams. And I think a lot of people are really noticing him now because of all the numbers and the testing and everything. But if you just go back and look at the film, he has potential to be a bona fide, you know, star player. And he's also working out with Jalen Ramsey, who's, of course, to me, he's the the top cornerback in the league. And – Somebody's mentioned this. It's a lot it's a lot easier if you look at pro bowl corners. The pro bowl corners, a lot of them are drafted in the first round. You have a lot of studs that come out in the first round that are corners, not so much the receiver aspect early in the first round with receivers. So, that's another thing to think about when you're, you know, hoping for a receiver and hey, they may draft a receiver and he may turn out to be a stud, but it's not a guarantee, but I absolutely love this pick. Uh, moving on, L.A. Chargers are sitting there at number 13. Uh, 13 is another pick I've kind of had for a while here. Uh, offensive tackle Christian Derisaw. for Just for similar reasons why I have the Bengals going with Sewell. Um, I'm really big on trying to protect your quarterback. I'm I'm going to probably have this pick and throughout the draft. Unless someone like, say, Pitts or like Chase, someone huge really falls here. I think they go with Derisaw. Yeah, you have to sure up the offensive offensive line um they need a stud left tackle they need to build around justin herbert he's their franchise guy you need to say this is we're going to protect you and that's the way you build your teams 
And I think Derisaw makes perfect sense for the Chargers at, at number 13. So number 14 goes, and it's the Minnesota Vikings. So here's a, another interesting um, area here. So they did, like I said, this 14, 15, 16, 17 range is very interesting because it can go a whole bunch of ways. Agreed. Uh, so 14, I still have Devonta Smith sliding. Uh, I went with offensive guard, Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. I think that the Vikings really they they like to establish themselves more as a run first team. And they already have two good receiving threats. So I think that they really need to show up their interior offensive line. They they did struggle a little bit last season. Barrett Tucker's the best best guard in this class by far. And he can fill in as a tackle too, even though I project him as a little bit better on the inside. But I feel like that ups his value that you have that versatility. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, Riley Reef was was uh, cut this year. You know, they need to shore up their offensive line. Um, you know, you have Dalvin Cook there. They do have a good amount of uh, a good receivers in Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Um, I know their quarterback is still Kirk Cousins, but if you're able to protect him and they're able to give him that pass protection, um, that definitely, you know, bodes well for them. And Vera Tucker – you know, maybe a little bit high at number 14 uh, with what is still on the board and what the needs for Minnesota are. Um, but again, you know, you, you look at the offensive line in Minnesota and you could definitely see it because of the run on offensive tackles with Derisaw and Slater. You could definitely see them going Vera Tucker, who can do a couple of things. If you need him to play guard, you can play guard. If you need him to play tackle, you can play tackle. So um, I like this selection for uh, for the Vikings. Yeah, now, that was a that was a difficult one because they could use a little help on that D line too. We haven't really had anyone fly off the board yet. I, that, I like Verituck. I'm a little higher on Verituck than I, than I and most are. I feel. Is it? I I can see what you're saying there with defensive line. I probably would have go. I would probably would have went edge rusher for them. Yeah. Uh, but again, this is your mock draft. This isn't mine. So, um, number fifteen is New England Patriots, and there's a quarterback still on the board. I know they signed Cam Newton to fourteen million dollars. Where do you think New England goes on this one? New England, I, I'm still Mac Jones. You're still sliding. I went with Jalen Waddle. I know that New England, New England, they they added a wide receiver Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, but with Waddle, you're getting a whole different element on that offense. He's just a dynamic playmaker. His speed with Cam Newton and the, the way they wanted to run the ball last season, I feel like it really opens up with what New England wants to do on offense they'll be able to stretch the field a little bit more vertically. And he, he just instantly becomes the best player on that offense. I, I I like what he adds a little bit more than Devonta Smith would for them, or even Mac Jones as opposed to starting Cam Newton. Yeah, and you look – yeah, they have Edelman, but Edelman's a slot receiver. You know, you have Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne, um, Jacoby Myers. I, I think I think Nikhil Harry gets traded. That's just my opinion there. And But Waddle gives them – bonafide deep threat that they don't have. And they added two tight ends in John New Smith and Hunter Henry. So they added some, um, you know, some talent there that they needed desperately at that position. They still have a plethora of running backs with Damian Harris and Sonny Michelle, and they just re-signed James White. So, and they signed a bunch of players on the defensive side of the ball too. They, they went out hog wild. They signed players the Patriots are ready to contend and, you know, getting a guy like Waddle really helps their offense because who knows how much longer Edelman's going to be on the team. And, 
you know, they need that bona fide deep threat, and that's what Waddle gives them. So number 16 is Arizona. Uh, 16, Arizona, their biggest need right now, I think, is that corner. Uh, I went with Caleb Farley, who I think is he's on the he's on the trend. He's trending downwards right now. Uh, he's about to have back surgery, but he's really a top 10 talent uh, team that already lost Patrick Peterson. Uh, secondary was weak last year. So I feel like he's kind of worth the gamble here. You're kind of getting a top 10 talent if he does stay healthy and does play like he did before he opted out. You're, you're getting a fantastic player here yeah, at a position of need. Exactly. Farley, you know, they Arizona did sign some veterans. Um, they signed Malcolm Butler, but you know, they need a young, young guy like Farley and, and Farley has all the tools. The injury history is a little bit concerning, which could cause him uh, to fall a little bit. But again, I don't see him getting past the middle of the first round just because of the talent aspect and the needs of these teams in the middle of the first um, to just let him slide uh, even past them. So I think Arizona getting Farley's a, a, a good bet for them. Uh, number 17, Las Vegas Raiders. Again, they got a bunch of needs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Where do they go here? Yeah, I have them going defense. Uh, finally, first edge rusher falls off the board with Quiddy Pay, a uh, player I'm pretty high on. They've they've really lacked the pass rush there ever since they traded Khalil Mack. They thought bringing in uh, Farrell in the first round a few years back was the answer, but he really hasn't panned out for him. But you'll get an athletic freak in Quiddy Pay. He's already great against a run. And he showed, he showed promise this year in his four games, uh, winning as a pass rusher. Didn't really have the sack numbers, but he was putting consistent pressure as a pass rusher. So I, I like the fit there in uh, Vegas. Yeah, and I think I, I think what Vegas needs is they need Mac, Max Crosby to play like he did when he, when he came out of um, college as a rookie. Um, they need him to play to that level. Uh, he dipped a little bit last year, and but ad- adding a guy like Pay um, to that defensive line is key because they need the pass rush. Uh, they need to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. They were using, you know, Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley, and they were just trying, you know, Carl Nassib. They were just trying to get as much out of any of these players as possible, and a but a lot of it just didn't work out. And it was evident watching them play last year. Um, but Quiddy Pay is a great selection there for them. Uh, gets gets uh, gets them something that they absolutely desperately need in a pass rush. But number eighteen here, Miami Dolphins. I know um, we did see a Najee Harris possibly at eighteen question mark. Where do you think Miami goes? I saw someone saying Najee. I also saw. Now this was tempting to me when I did my mock the the opportunity to give Miami. And to a Jamar Chase and Devonta Smith. That I mean, that was honestly really tempting. Just double dipping here. But I, I honestly, I had to go with an edge rusher, Aziz Ojulari. Just because they already do have Devontae Parker. I feel like there's only so many re- room for so many receivers in that offense. Uh, with Aziz Ojulari, he has a lot of twitch and speed. He's going to be a great pass rusher, but he does need a little bit of time to develop his moves. Only a redshirt sophomore this year, so he's not quite there yet all the way, but he has a lot of potential. If you hit, he, I think he's already elite when it comes to his get-off off the snap. Uh, I think that he'd be a great fit for that that defense with the amount of versatility and speed that they like. 
Yeah, and and you also have to remember they traded Shaq Lawson to Houston, so they they need pass rush, and yeah, you know they it's definitely something that the defense absolutely is going to need. They need the pass rush, and you now yeah, he may not be a day one starter, but he's going to be in the rotation and be able to. They're going to be able to use him at his strength and is to be a situational pass rusher to start to be able to grow into um, more of a steady pass rusher starter along the lines of that. But that's definitely uh, super valuable for them with their second selection already getting the wide receiver at number six, but, you know, adding Ojolari to that defensive line uh, is going to be uh, beneficial for Miami. Um, number 19 is Washington football team. Uh, so finally, we get the the last quarterback of the first round off the board. Uh, I went with Mac Jones for them. Uh, Fitzpatrick's up there in age, and he's really there just to be a bridge quarterback. Uh, I don't really think that Heineke's probably going to be their franchise quarterback. But he, Mac Jones is probably not going to help them win now this year, but there's a chance that he could be their guy of the future. He he is a good pocket passer, just not 100% ready yet. He only has uh, 17 games starting under his belt. I feel like that kind of gets overlooked a bit. Everyone hates on Trey Lance for just playing one season where you kind of have the same thing with Mac Jones, but they already have some decent weapons on that offense in Washington with uh, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson. They added Curtis Samuel. So I feel like Mac Jones is a possibility if he's still here in 19. Yeah. And you, the one I'll, I'll put it this way, you know, Chicago could be calling above their you know, at Miami or yeah. Las Vegas, if Mac Jones falls that far, Chicago needs a quarterback. Cause yeah, you have Andy Dalton, but Andy Dalton's again, like you said, with Fitzpatrick, he's a bridge quarterback. You can get a guy like Mac Jones to be able to hopefully grow him into your franchise quarterback because Chicago has not had a true franchise quarterback in a very long time. So that's definitely something I could see, but for Washington, they, they get their signal. They get their signal caller. Uh, like Fitzpatrick's probably gonna would probably start unless Mac beats him out, but um, it's super value here for Washington. Yeah, I, I couldn't pass couldn't pass up that value here. Uh, same thing with number twenty. I couldn't pass up this value. This is a dream scenario for the Bears. Uh, Devonta Smith, if he falls here, you have to take him for Chicago. Slide finally ends. I honestly though, I don't think it's all that unrealistic. We saw the same thing last year where. Three big wide receivers, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. Ruggs went 12, Judy went 15, Lamb went 17. So honestly, I don't really know if 20 is all that much of a stretch for Smith. Yeah, he did win the Heisman, but teams are concerned about his weight. Teams are concerned about the amount of screen passes that he caught at Alabama to generate his yardage. I still do like him as a fit. I think he's a great talent. But... I mean, he just does give it a great web weapon opposite of Allen Robinson. So I feel like he's a good fit here, but I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if wide receivers do drop a little bit in the draft this year, especially with the amount of death throughout essentially every round. Yeah, and it's perfect for Chicago. You know, you have it like you said, you have Allen Robinson, um, you have Darnell Mooney. I don't think um Anthony Miller is gonna be there. I think they're gonna deal him. Um, but Devontae Smith slides right in there. Uh, able to give Andy Dalton some weapons um, on that offense, but Devontae Smith falling there, it's you know right into the lap of Chicago. Um, number 21, Carson Wentz is Indianapolis Colts. Indianapolis is Colts. Indianapolis uh, Colts. I can't even say it right. Uh, 21, I stuck with my pick from last time. I'm still going with Tevin Jenkins. 
an offensive tackle I'm higher on than a lot most are, but I think he's one of the most underrated tackles in the draft, and it's a big need right now with Anthony Costanzo retiring and how important it is also to protect Carson. Uh, we saw what happened to him last year when his offensive line faltered. I think it's really important to keep him upright, keep his confidence up, give him a chance to succeed in Indy. If you want to do that, you got to get him an offensive line. Yeah, and you know Jenkins gives them that offensive tackle that they need. Now, they did sign Sam Tevy from Los Angeles. He may be the bridge starter, basically, at left tackle. Uh, he played a lot last year for the Chargers, but definitely offensive tackle is a need for Indianapolis. Yeah, we Number- saw how bad saw how bad yeah. the Chargers line was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it may not be that great of an upgrade, but um, number 22, Tennessee. Uh, two pass rushers went off the board above them. Uh, where does Tennessee go? So initially I had them going uh, pass rusher last time we did a draft. I think I had – but uh, I switched it up a little bit uh, since I did sign uh, Bud Dupree. I went with a wide receiver, Rashad Bateman, since they lost Corey Davis in free agency. Uh, they also lost Johnu Smith too, so I feel like they're going to need a few weapons for uh, Tannehill. Uh, and Bateman gives them that big physical wide receiver that can play the outside. Yeah, and I think I think Bateman gets slept on a little bit um, just because of the other receivers ahead of him, and I know he had a down year, but if he gets into the right fit, into the right team, it could be the whole Justin Jefferson aspect of if he gets onto a team that's going to use him uh, correctly, he could wind up having a very successful first season. Uh, but that's a good value pick for Tennessee because it's it's a need that they have. Losing Corey Davis, Bateman's like the same, like gives you that similar, same size, yeah, yeah similar build, uh, big bodied receiver. But that's a great fit for uh, Tennessee. Uh, number twenty three, the Jets' second selection. They went Zach Wilson at number two. Where do they go at number twenty three? Uh, I considered double dipping on offense, uh, maybe adding a receiver here. I ended up ultimately going with a corner, Greg Newsom. Uh, mostly for the fact that I see them going heavy on corners in the draft. Uh, I'll add 275 passing yards a game, which was fourth worst in the league last year. And they only added one corner in free agency in Justin Hardy from the Saints. Uh, Newsom's been rising up the boards lately. I just I could see them going here at the end of round one to get a corner. Yeah, I really like Newsom. I feel he's you know, he's rising. Um, I really like him out of Northwestern. Um, you know, great big physical uh, type of corner and like you said the, the Jets need cornerbacks you know adding Justin Hardy who's basically a special teamer yeah. um, they definitely need to fill that uh that position um with some talent um number 24 Pittsburgh Steelers um think, uh, thinking a surprise could you know come out here with this one yeah I felt like there were so many ways Pittsburgh can go they need offensive line help uh I also there's just one player I see him Really is just as a fantastic fifth Pittsburgh, and I can't pass him up. Uh, Najee Harris, I just love his physicality as a running back. He can do it all. He kind of reminds me a bit of Le'Veon Bell with his patience. He can also, for a big guy, he can catch the ball as a receiver out of the backfield. I just feel like his value here compared to offensive line, there's not an offensive lineman that I love for Pittsburgh, where Najee, I just feel like he's the perfect fit for them. It'll take a little bit of pressure off of Ben, too. And Luke, James Conner most likely is not returning. So, yeah, I don't think so. You know, Benny Snell, I'm not high on him. Yeah, so they, they need to sure up. Um, they they brought Juju back, so they have Juju back. They have um, you, know, you have Claypool, you have Deontay Johnson. 
you have weapons there. Uh, Eric Ebron for Ben, you know, get him a, a big, stocky, you know, running back who could do basically everything for you. Um, so yeah. that's a great, that's a great pick at 24. Um, number 25, Jacksonville. Um, they get their franchise quarterback at number one. Where do they go? Number 25. Uh, number 25. I went with Sam Cosme, offensive tackle out of Texas. Uh, Cosme, I feel like he's going to be on the rise. Uh, I'm going to get them their franchise offensive tackle to pair up with Trevor Lawrence. Cosme is going to be on the rise because he had a fantastic pro day. I mean, the numbers that he put up were absolutely insane. I feel like he's going to rise into the back end of the first one with the way teams value offensive linemen. So I feel like Jacksonville's probably going to go offensive line here. Could potentially go on defense, but I, I like the fit for Cosme here. Yeah, and the right tackle, Juwan, Juwan Taylor, has struggled a little bit. So uh, Cosme selection is definitely a good one. Um, you need to build up that offensive line for Lawrence. Um, number 26, Cleveland. Cleveland, I, I couldn't resist the possibility of adding Jalen Phillips here. I feel like Phillips has the potential to be the best edge rusher in this class, but what's going to scare him away, teams away is his injury history. I mean, he had to medically retire at one point due to concussions, but if he if he's able to stay healthy, he has a lot of talent. And the fact that like pairing Phillips with Miles Garrett – that pass rush could be nasty. Yeah, I think Phillips is a great selection here. I think, you know, his his makeup and what he can be is, you know, very, very high. He's not the highest that I think. I think there's a, another, you know, edge rusher that could be um, the best in this class. But I think Phillips pairing him up with Miles Garrett and even the interior of that line too, um, I think it's a great selection for Cleveland. It gives them it gives them something they need. Who who do you see as that number one edge rusher? Is it Teron Jackson? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not gonna go there. Um, just like my number one quarterback is is gonna be uh, is Newman. No, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, no, you'll see him. You'll see him later in this in this mock. So I'll let yeah. you know once I see him. Uh, but number twenty seven, Baltimore uh, is on the clock. It might be here uh, coming from a Penn State fan like yourself, uh, Jason Owen. <laughs> Uh, I had to go with him for Baltimore. Uh, they lost Matt Judon and also Yannick. Uh, I feel like the, the Ravens kind of thrive on adding those great pass rushers. Owa, I'm not, I'm not sure if anyone saw his pro day, but the kid is a physical freak. Uh, LaVar talked about him also. I mean, the kid ran in the four threes. He He's an absolute monster. He's very young and raw, but has a lot of potential. Yeah, he's... You know, he's got the the build, you know, 6'5", 257, running for how fast he did. I know a lot of people are concerned that he had no sacks last year. Um, that's a big concerning thing for him, uh, for them. But I feel with Baltimore, Baltimore gets so much. They've turned so many players into great pass rushers and which turned into, uh, unfortunately, some of the time leaving them to get bigger contracts elsewhere, as we've seen multiple years, Matt Judon, um, we saw Zadarius Smith, you know, you've seen that already. Um, but I think Jason Owa can be uh, a very, very good defensive end. He is not the one that I think can be the best. So I know I'm a Penn State fan, so I know you thought that. but I had to throw I, it out there. I know, but I think he can be um, – you know, a very talented player, especially with Baltimore and the way they 
develop their players. Uh, but number 28, New Orleans Saints, they could be looking a couple of different ways here. Uh, where do you see them going? I ended up going with linebacker Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. Just because I feel that there's a lot that he can do as a cover linebacker. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. I think that there's a lot that he can do for New Orleans. They have, I kind of considered adding a weapon on offense wide receiver like Tony or a Rondell Moore. But you also have like Elijah Moore there in the, in the second round you could also go with. There's not really many players like Zayvon Collins that are really left at linebacker. So I, I ended up picking up him for the Saints, Zayvon Collins. And- you also have to remember the New Orleans Saints did lose. Um, Anzalone was there is a free agent who was signed and uh, signed elsewhere, and also they released Quan Alexander. So linebacker is a need for New Orleans. So Zayvon Collins can do a couple of he can do different things for that defense, and but it's definitely a need for New Orleans. Um, and number twenty nine, the Green Bay Packers. Do they get Aaron Rodgers a weapon, or do they go and? Do something totally different. I got him a weapon. Uh, I went with Kadarius Tony uh, last time. I think I had them going with Rashad Bateman, but it was kind of a debate last time between Bateman and Tony. With Bateman off the board, uh, it opens up uh, a chance of Tony for me. He's a player who can create yards after the catch a bit. Uh, give them another weapon outside of Devontae Adams in that offense. I feel like he's going to be a good fit for Green Bay. Yeah, and Tony is such a playmaker. Um, so elusive, so quick, and it's going to fit right in with Aaron Rodgers being able to get him the ball because you have another guy like Devontae Adams who's an absolute stud playmaker. Yep. Um, you know, you get Tony almost like a – I don't want to say he's a person Percy Harvin type, but I mean like in the aspect of me saying that they can use him in that kind of a role which move him all around and do so many different things with him. Yeah. And you have the quarterback that can get him the ball no matter where he's at. So uh, that's a great fit for for Green Bay. And Tony definitely is rising up boards. Um, number 30, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Bills need a little bit of uh, pass rush help. Uh, I went with Gregory Rousseau, who was once thought as like the, the number one edge rusher. He's been falling a little bit. Uh, I feel like he's a great still here for Buffalo. Team that needs help with the pass rush. Yeah, Buffalo needs, needs pass rush. Um, you know, Trent Murphy's a free agent. They're getting a little older. Jerry Hughes is getting older. Uh, they need to start, you know, thinking about the future when it comes to their edge rushers, their defensive ends. Um, and Rousseau helps that because it gives them that young pass rusher to be able to build with. Um, number 31, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs, I'm sticking with my pick that I went with last time, Liam Eikenberg. We saw what happened to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. They let they let both of their offensive tackles go. You have to put someone in there. I, I think Eichenberg's the best offensive tackle left. Gave him to KC. Yeah, and you know KC signed uh, Joe Tooney and they signed Kyle Long, offensive yep. guards. Uh, adding Eichenberg here, it gives them a tackle to think about the future. Um, you know they need to build up depth on that offensive line as we saw it last year in the Super Bowl. You know. The depth hurt them. Not having the depth on the offensive line uh, really affected uh, them in the Super Bowl against a team who could rush the passer. So um, definitely Eichenberg's a great selection here. Um, Number 32, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, running it back, being able to resign basically all their players. Um, Where do you see them going? They made it difficult with resigning everyone. I mean, there's not really any holes on that roster. (laughs) 
for for them, I went with uh, interior defensive lineman Christian Barmore. Um, the Dom Kung Su is getting up there in age a little bit. Though they did resign him, I feel like this is a good opportunity to get the best interior defensive tackle on the board. Uh, get him to kind of learn behind Sue a little bit and rotate him in a little bit to learn. No, that's a great selection there because, you know, it helps them with the depth and it gives you a young player um, on that defense. But um, like I said, there's no holes on that team. When you're trying to draft for them, it's it's crazy um, just because, you know, it's you're looking and trying to pick them. Some I, I could see them trading out of the first round, honestly. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Exactly. You could see a team who wants a certain player trade up into the end of the first round there and they'd be able to either collect more picks or possibly get a, a first round or next year or, or whatever that may be. Um, but that's definitely an option for them. But Bear is a, a great selection. Um, but the guy, I guess he's not on your board. I thought he was going to be. Um, the guy I think that could be the top pass rusher is – Osai from Texas. I, I thought I, that might be it, based yeah. on like who I didn't, who I, who I didn't pick. Yeah. I'm not you, as high, I'm not as high on as Osai as you are. Yeah, I just have a little, uh, just my feeling watching him. I feel like he could grow. I'm not saying he's going to be great right away, but maybe yeah. in like, two years or so, he can really develop into something um, of a pass rusher uh, to be able to um, be one of the top out of this draft, if not the top out of the draft. So uh, he's he, definitely he just, a guy I'm. He, he didn't pop on tape to me the first time I watched him, but after looking at him on his pro day and seeing like the numbers he posted with his explosiveness, I kind of want to go back and give him a second look to see if there was something maybe I missed there a little bit. That, that's the thing I like with pro days. It kind of makes you second guess yourself a little bit and take a second look just in case like, all right, you know, I could have been wrong. Yeah. I ran a four, a four, four, six on my pro day yesterday. I ran in the backyard there. So, um, no, <laughs> It's funny, some all, all these numbers, but another guy. I know it was a little uh, quick with that uh, timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, another guy that I really like, I, like probably a, a mid, like the mid rounds, later rounds, uh, Ellerson Smith from Northern Iowa. I really like his his build, his makeup, and what he can do, and how he uses his size. He's definitely a player that I'm, you know, watching the later rounds uh, to see where he gets selected, and you know, because again. It really, it's it's really with these later round picks. It's the fit. It's where the, it's who selects you and how you fit into the team. And um, Don has a, a question here: uh, Who's the later round guy, not quarterback? Because he knows if it was quarterback, he knows what I was going to say. Uh, that no one is talking about that you could see be a steal. So I gave Ellerson Smith as as a guy. Yeah. You know, Tommy, who do you who would you say someone that isn't really on their radar? So I look at him as a round three guy. I see a lot of people throwing him out there as like a round six or seven, which I think is crazy. Javian Hawkins out of Louis, running back out of Louisville. There is so much to like about this kid. He could really do it all. He's a home run threat every time he touches the ball. He has underrated power for a guy that's only around 190 or so. He kind of gets lost a little bit because there's so many good running backs in this draft class in the mid rounds. But Javian Hawkins, that's a good name to look out for. Uh, I like. I'd like to see... He didn't really get a chance to catch the ball too much out of the backfield out of Louisville, just based on the way that they run their offense. But I think that he could potentially do it at the next level. But home run threat every time he touches the ball, I'm very high on him. Um, I'll throw out a, another player. Um, I really like um, – I'm going to go receiver here. 
Uh, I know you and you and I've kind of, you know, talked about him, uh, especially that he didn't test the best. Jalen Darden from North, uh, North Texas. Yeah. I know he measured in at a little over 5'7", um, but he's definitely a player that you get him in the later rounds. If, he, if you fit him in your offense um, cert, in a certain way, he could really um, really take off and really help you. But uh, he's definitely a person. Again, now, I thought he was going to measure a little bit higher. If, if he would have measured in the 5'10 range or so, I could have seen him going in the fourth round. Yeah, but measuring five seven, I could see him possibly drop into like the sixth round. Yeah, I think it's because he plays for a smaller school too, and you have so many good slot guys this year that he kind of just gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Any other guys you want to throw out there before we wrap it up? Give me a position. <laughs> All right. How about this? I I'm gonna give you a position, and I and I know who you're gonna say. So, let's go cornerback. Corner. Corner. Okay. Corner. Corner. Okay, so I got to give a shout out to Fourth and John because he talked about DJ Daniel and the way that he handled Jamar Chase. Uh, I like I like DJ Daniel, especially because he he posted kind of poor numbers at his pro day, so I feel like that's going to slip him down a little bit. I don't remember what his forty was off the top of my head, but I remember it wasn't that great. So I feel like he might even fall like right right around my, round five or six, which I feel like is a pretty good level for his talent. See, you disappointed me. You knew you thought I was going to say Sean Wade, didn't you? No, I thought really? you were going to say. Who did you predict? Who do you predict? I thought, I thought you were going to say a corner out of Appalachian State. Oh, I, I've talked about him so many times that I don't even throw him out there anymore. Everyone knows I love Shamar Jean Charles. <laughs> just like, just like I didn't throw out uh, Teron Jackson because everyone yeah, knows or I, Jamie Newman. Like it's just you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have to put people onto some new names. That is very true, and um, you know we. Appreciate everybody who tuned in, who commented, who liked, shared, uh, retweeted us. Uh, we absolutely appreciate it. It was a, you know, kind of a spur of the moment after this trade happened. Um, these two trades happened definitely uh, gave us some great content to talk about and a lot of different scenarios to talk about. And it's just gonna the next few weeks gonna you know ramp up, um, you know, in the draft talk because the draft's gonna the drafts at the end of next next month so uh it's gonna be fun fun time uh fun next month so like i said i like to appreciate like to thank and and we appreciate everybody who tuned in uh who commented and don't forget um to watch all the other shows on the all about the birds networks uh of course we're back next saturday nine o'clock um we have a special basically a YouTube exclusive um, interview that we're going to be, that I'm going to be conducting with, uh, he's a draft prospect for next year. He uh, reclassified to go to be in next year's draft class. Uh, Nick Stallworth out of Siena Heights, a linebacker, a small school. So I'm going to get the, you know, talk with him, uh, go, you know, talk about it to 2020 because he didn't have a season last year. So there's, an, that's definitely something to uh, tune into and chin, uh, uh, keep an eye out for, for that on our YouTube channel. Make sure you're subscribing to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following us. Uh, make sure you're following um, myself at JohnnyU9322. Make sure you follow Tommy at TBarnett91. Uh, make sure you follow all the guys all about the birds. Uh, make sure you check out all about the birds um, at aatbirds.com. Uh, make sure you check out all the shows. Um, Monday night's Chips and Dish. You have Tuesday's Fairway to Heaven. 
You have Wednesdays, the flagship show, the AET Birds Weekly Report. Um, of course, make sure you check out the YouTube exclusive, which went live yesterday on Friday. Uh, Birds, Beers, and BS. Make sure you're uh, tuning into that. And, of course, the show here, the draft show, make sure you're tuning in uh, to us as well. But I'd like to say thank you. Any uh, closing remarks from you, Tom? Uh, I just wanted to thank our listeners for all the comments uh, and supporting us along the way. Uh, we, we appreciate you guys. And, again, we'll be back next week. And don't forget to tune into the YouTube channel to check out the interview with Nick Stallworth. And I always end everything with Go Birds! <laughs>